Hello, my fanist friends. Welcome to my podcast feed. Powered by ACAS Plus, here's a joke from my son. What did the bum say to the other bum? That's a bummer. You know, not for everyone. Uh, so, uh, look, thanks to everyone who's come to see the previews of Can I Have My Ball Back. It's been going really, really well, and uh, I'm really pleased with how the show's turning out. It's officially on tour now from Wednesday. I'll be at the Leicester Square Theatre. A couple of tickets left. Lots of press coming to that one. It'd be lovely to sell out, but there are a few other London gigs not selling as well. So if you're going to come to London... Maybe look up those other London gigs. And then this week I'll be in St Albans on Thursday, Gloucester on Friday, Chorley on Saturday, which is sold out. You can join the waiting list. And Glasgow on Sunday, two shows. I think the earlier show is sold out. Check with the venue, but the later show has some availability. Come along if you can. If you enjoy these podcasts and like them being free, then the great way to pay me back is to buy a ticket to a show or buy a download or a book from gofasterstripe.com. But you can just keep listening for free as well. That pays me back also. So, you know, no no pressure. But I'd love to see you there. If you just know me from the podcast and don't know me as a stand-up, I'm pretty good as a stand-up. It's a good show. I think you're going to enjoy it. It's only made about seven men faint so far. So, you know, are you brave enough to take the challenge? Let's sit back, relax and enjoy whichever podcast you're listening to now. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man who can still smell the fart that either Trevor or Simon did in the dressing room last week. It's Richard Herring! Tell you what, I, um... Last week I forgot to wear my belt as well, didn't I? And then I went home... Just coincidentally, I'm wearing the same stuff because I've washed it. Uh, but I've just, I forgot, I forgot to put my belt on again. That's ridiculous. Uh, so, uh, I hope you're all, hope you're all good. Uh, I, um, uh, what's, what's, what's I going to little Jim? Mm. Oh, yeah, I, 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 I take my daughter's, oh, hello, welcome to the show, first of all, I should say. Uh, this is Rich Chase, Leicester Square Theatre Podcast. But I was hanging around with uh, Men in Trousers the other day. They, they remember they took over from uh, Trevor and Simon on uh, Live and Kicking uh, going uh, they call her a holistopper so it's, uh, they're pretty funny guys so it's good they, I, I like them uh, so uh, I was hanging around with James from uh, Nick and James he said this is the headmaster he, he wouldn't join in he, he wouldn't, he's a pastor now he said no I'm not joining in with that had enough fun uh, so uh, yeah I, 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 do, I take my daughter to little gym uh, in uh, uh, Hertfordshire nearly gave away where I lived there and um Whew, don't want any of you lot knowing where I live, uh, and more specifically than that. Uh, and uh, I'm pretty sure that Matthew Perry from Friends uh, is one of the dads. <laughs> there. I mean, I don't know whether he would has got kids, or whether he lives in Hertfordshire, or whether he's the kind of person who would take his kids to a little gym in Hertfordshire. But it looked like him, so I think. But I, I, he was looking at me, and I think he was thinking, "Is that Richard Herring from?" <laughs> Someone in Rich, not Judy. Can't be. Uh, that's m- mainly one for uh, the people who go to the little gym. And uh, the other mums and dads from that week going, yeah, I thought that as well, Rich. Was, that's a good piece of observation. Uh, my daughter has started, um, she's three, she can talk quite well now, but uh, she's got into this habit now, wherever you talk to her, she goes, Pfft. whatever you say, she goes, Pfft for a long time right and it's very difficult for me to tell her off because I find it really funny (laughs) and also when I was from about the age of three to the age of about 13 I just walked around the house mainly naked I was naked till I was about 13 saying poo poo wee wee bottom that was my catchphrase (laughs) 
So I had to go to his office. Don't do, don't do that because you know it's not. It's a bit rude. And though I know a little boy who did something similar, and he went on to be the five hundredth funniest comedian in the country. So <laughs> maybe there's a lesson. But what she does is she goes, well, "I've got a little boy. He's four months old, and she does it to him, and he will laugh." And she'll go, "Ernie finds it funny." So. And he does find it funny every single time. For him, it's the repetition that makes it amusing. So, uh, <laughs> let's crack on. <laughs> Even when she's doing it right in his face and just spraying him with her own spittle, he still finds it funny. But I think, I think when you're the younger sibling, you just, it's a kind of Stockholm Syndrome thing, isn't it? <laughs> Could have better laugh at this person because they've been nice to me so far, but they could crush me in a second. <laughs> And kill me. Uh, anyway, let's crack on. Uh, my guest this week is probably best known for serving on the West Midlands Police and Crime Force. Don't know if that's what the last word says. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Jess Phillips. It's Jess Phillips MP. <laughs> Jess Phillips MP. Thank you very much. Thank you for coming. How are you doing? I'm all right, thanks. Good, thank you. I wasn't a police officer. No, you were, what were you, bureau- you were on the panel. I was just like a bureaucrat. Yeah, yeah. How, how was it, what was the funniest thing that happened on the West Midlands Police and Crime <laughs> something? Parish? No, what does it say, was the panel? Wait, there was, um, a by-election had to be called because the Police and Crime Commissioner died suddenly. That was okay. not a funny story. <laughs> uh, and I was in charge of the police for like a day were you and there was a bomb scare in Birmingham on that day wow. on the one day I was in charge but it turned out it was just a lampshade in a package <laughs> <laughs> so no harm no foul it's good to be cautious <laughs> yeah there are not many people have lampshades in Birmingham so you can understand why I'm not going to rise to the anti-Birmingham <laughs> sentiment my double lap partner came from well Solly Hull it hardly counts oh that it? does not count <laughs> <laughs> So you're the second uh, MP I've had on this show. It's very a lot of the politicians like coming on here because it uh, helps. It helps <laughs> you, you and Ed Miliband. Who I wasn't sure if it was Ed or David Miliband backstage. <laughs> I had to think about it for a second. He was good though, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah but you wish, wish you'd vote for him now, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> now you've seen the alternatives. So. Um, <laughs> No, I was quite surprised. I've been, you, I've been reading your excellent book, um, Every Woman, One Woman's Truth, about speaking the truth. Uh, and I was uh, surprised that you've only been an MP for two, since 2015. Yep, so nearly three years. Three years now, yeah. Because, you know, you're quite... It's you and Mary Black from that... Uh, Mari. Mari Black from that, uh, from that intake, because it'll become pretty famous instantaneously. Yeah. How do you think you've managed to do that? Uh, just, like... Not being boring and <laughs> saying what you think, I think, yeah. is the truth. Mari uh, is the young... She's the youngest MP yeah. ever elected, I think, since, like, I don't know, like, Pitt the Younger. He was, like, 12 or something. Um, <laughs> and so she stood out for that reason, yeah. as well as she made uh, an amazing maiden speech. She did, yeah. Um, but... And she's just normal. I went to Kenya with her. We went on a delegation to look at where Diffid money was spending. And I asked her if she was missing her partner. And she was just like, a bit, but I just can't wait for a KFC. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, so she's just normal. So I think that that is part of the thing, is that we don't maybe talk like politicians, yeah. that we sound normal and we, we just say it as we find it. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of odd, isn't it, that, that being normal... <laughs> It's a, it's a standout thing. <laughs> it's a low bar. <laughs> it is, but that you know that when you we obviously, I mean, I've, I've felt this a lot. Of, anyway, you talk about it in your, in your in your book, but just like this sort of stupid. Uh, I mean, the traditions of the of the Houses of Parliament are kind of interesting, but they but the way that everyone behaves in the chamber is sort of so pathetic. Oh, it is really, you know, this, really this boys' club kind of, and the heckling and the... the, the... Yeah, I mean, I heckle. I'm not going to slag off people who heckle, but, yeah. <laughs> there is um, a, a very masculine air to the heckling, which is really, yeah. really awful. And people do like this to you, like, as if they're patting your head and people tell you to shush and... And um, yeah, that I mean, it is awful, and it wouldn't happen in normal workplaces. I don't think. No, I don't know. Well, yeah. So, <laughs> well, it's you would hope that the, yeah. the the main workplace of the people who are in charge of the country would be ahead of everywhere else, rather than yeah. way behind everywhere else. Uh, well, you would hope so. But we, <laughs> it's definitely not. Uh, we don't have normal working hours. We don't have maternity leave. We don't have paternity leave. We don't have. 
anything normal, really. <laughs> so it's very far behind, I'm afraid. Yeah. But the reason that people um, speak like politicians, unlike me and Mari Black and others, there are others, is because people love to feast on you when you say something even slightly offbeat. So mm. unless you stick to the line and keep on sticking to the line, you get terrorised and... So you don't do it again if you say something that's slightly, say, off-colour, makes it sound like I'm, I think it's fine to be racist or something. <laughs> I, I don't think that. Um, but if you, you get something wrong, like, you know, I'm, I'm not normally here to defend Diana, but, but um, you know, she got some figures wrong. But, you know, running the country or running anything doesn't rely on you being able to remember. Do you know what I mean? Just, like, list things. It's not pointless. No. It, <laughs> You are allowing pieces of paper as well um, in life. So I think that as soon as you make any sort of mistake, you have to live by a standard that normal people don't have to live by. So people become sort of automaton in that environment. Yeah. Well, and I suppose what we we saw with um, Ed, I suppose, is that like when he was the leader, he had to behave in a certain way and it wasn't really him. Yeah. And so it, it became not that likeable because you think, what's this slightly weird yeah, guy? Odd. And then you see who he really is when he's relaxed and he's not bothered about any of that he's stuff. He's a proper laugh at me, yeah, yeah. band. Yeah. Like, a, he's really, really, really funny. He is. Um, yeah. But, yeah, when you're the leader of the Labour Party, are you allowed to be funny? <laughs> you're not really, are you? You have to be... I don't know. I, mean, I, I just sort of wonder funny. whether people would... It sort of feels like people are ready for a change. I, I, and that, oh, yes, that, I think that, they are. And, and, you know, and I think... That, that, you know, wh- whether it's a good or a bad change, I think we're seeing some changes that are a result of people going, I, I want change because I don't yeah. like the way things have worked. I, I think and obviously in the Houses of Parliament, we've seen that with the expenses, with yeah. the sexism and, and you know, all the various things that have happened that, that have come through. We've seen that there's lots to change. But I, I sort of think the whole thing should be, don't, don't you want to sort of start again with it? And Yes, I always Birmingham. think they should build a House of Parliament in the centre of the country. In Birmingham. Well, you know... It we don't have to centre. punish the MPs that much, but it's somewhere, <laughs> somewhere outside of Birmingham. Coventry. <laughs> I mean, where are you suggesting? Well, I would, oh, sorry, I would make it. I would build it in. I would. What I would do? I would um, turn the House of Parliament into either a tourist attraction or a hotel or both. Mm-hmm. Make lots of money out of it. Pay for all the repairs by doing that. Mm-hmm. Americans will pay a lot of money to stay there. That's true. And just to look around, I'd love to go. I've looked around when I was at school, and it's brilliant. And I'd love to, you know, do sent on guided tours every day, that would do very well. I'd build a purpose-built city, political city in the middle of the Midlands where there is no, uh, isn't a city, mm-hmm. there's no houses at the moment. Everyone gets a flat. If they want to live by the Houses mm-hmm. of Parliament, they can. That, that's, what they, that's where they live. And MPs get everything paid for them. I think they should get, get everything paid for them. I, I think this is an interesting idea because security would be the main problem, wouldn't but then you? you? Because you would just bomb that town. Well, no, but you could make you could. Well, you, you know, if you can fly you put it in a dome, like in the Simpsons, yeah, yeah. Okay. underground, it could be underground, it could, be could be two under- miles underground. And I think that it might be quite important as Why well for members of parliament to interact with the public. Yeah, but they can still do that. It means that people can get back to their constituents, constituencies more easily, doesn't it? That's true. If you live on the Isle so, of Skye. Yeah. It'd and, like, easier. you know, they, uh, currently the MPs are all in a, a building that you could still bomb. So That's true. Uh, and people do try <laughs> people to... People have tried to attack it. we don't live there. We don't live there. We're not, like, there at night time. But then isn't then... it, like, you know, you all live, like, in flats in, you know, quite a way out of town because you can't afford to live in the centre of town. And then you all take the night bus home, basically, don't you? So that's yeah, what... I mean, honestly, I'm not actually... I was about to give some really good advice yeah, to terrorists. Yeah, I won't do that, but we all pour out at one particular point in the evening and just, like, everybody's, like, waiting for the bus. Yeah. <laughs> it's not very glamorous. I've got some <laughs> constituents who uh, are from Ghana and they came to door knock with me because they could not believe that, as a politician... I was going to walk up and down the streets and knock on people's doors. Yeah. They were like, where we live, people just drive past you in an SUV, blacked out, and live in the lap of luxury. You can't speak to them. You have nothing to do with them. Whereas we are, we're just at a bus stop near you. Yeah. Waiting for a bus. Yeah, but that whole thing, the campaigning thing. I I met another MP, and I've forgotten her name, but on another another podcast, and she was saying she ended up, like, door knocking and and then recognised on the news as some terror suspects were being arrested that she'd knocked on that door and been to that flat. I mean, that happens And you kind of think an an MP turns up at your house. I mean, it's like a sort of comedy film, isn't it? An MP turns up at the... 
terrorist house. Because, hello, can I rely on your vote? Oh, no, you can't. Um, you're going to come and live here for a little while. Uh, so, you know, the, that's the great thing. About, I mean, it's, it's great and it's terrifying, I would imagine, from your point of view. I mean, enough has happened and mm-hmm. that, you're, that we're aware of how precarious that is. But that, that's it's this weird double standard of, uh, towards MPs we have. I mean, I think the, what happened with Joe Cox, who's obviously your friend, is like the, I think that was the worst thing that happened in 2016 in, in the terrible, terrible year of lots of awful things mm. Because it's such a, an affront to everything that the country should stand for. Absolutely. You know, aside from the personal tragedy of it. And, it, yeah, it didn't seem to be, you know, as big a deal as it should have been, really. But, you know, that, and that people mm. didn't... didn't weren't thinking, my God, you know, MPs are taking these terrible risks with for no. us and... They thought about it for about a week. Yeah. And then it was swept away. Like, there was this whole... There was a hashtag, like, thank your MP or something it was called. And, like, as soon as the week was done, people were still like, you scrounger, why haven't you collected my bins? <laughs> so, a week later. Um, and I don't, I don't need praise or to be put on a pedestal all the time. And rigorous debate is fine. But, essentially... In the climate that we live in, sometimes it feels like, yeah, you're risking your life every day. No, you definitely are. I mean, but, and you would think you want to be in a position where, I mean, everyone's protected, but also people who are putting themselves... Yeah, democracy needs to be yeah. protected as yeah. well. And to, to continue to have the system that is better than any system... The best thing about the parliamentary system in the UK is that people can reach you, people can come into your office, they can talk to you, and that you are like, you know, you go to Wilkinson's to buy bin bags and you are just like everybody who lives around you. But it will come at a cost if things, if, you know, the terrorist attack on Westminster, Joe being murdered outside a library. This is a woman who lived in war zones yeah. and was killed outside Burstall Library in West Yorkshire. And, yeah, it, it, it's... I think that people need to understand that it's an assault on all of us rather than just on people like me. Yeah. Um, it's a massive assault on our democracy and it's very, very serious and we should take it more seriously. But then I'm not willing to make myself any more secure, really. I mean, we've had these people out to our house and they were like, you've got to have bomb-proof windows and shit like that. I was like, oh, I don't want bomb-proof windows yeah. in my house. And they wanted like us to have, like thumb things scanners to get in and out the room the kids will just get like locked in the porch for like weeks <laughs> and weeks and and they were just to have panic buttons and we were like well the kids are just going to hit them all the time and uh, they said we'll put them up higher so we've just created a target <laughs> <laughs> we'll put them out of reach let's get the police so officers if there is, to if there is a problem <laughs> Oh, it can't reach. So, uh, and I, I don't want to live my life like no, that. That's not. not why I became a member of Parliament. No. Um, I don't want to not be able to walk to the corner shop. I, I don't want to have to be frightened. And mostly, I'm not, to be honest. Uh, just sometimes it does dawn on you that you are a target. Yeah, and you've got. I mean, you uh, because because of the world, <laughs> you get a lot of abuse on Twitter. Yeah, because you know, some people don't like it. Well, anyone saying anything that I agree no. with or a woman voicing people don't opinions. like women to speak up yeah. that's definitely true so I get absolutely shed loads although I actually can't see it now and right. so uh, I mean to all the people who might be listening to this who defend me stop it because all I see is your defence because I obviously have an algorithm on Twitter that doesn't allow me to see really any of the abuse anymore right. but when people are being like you leave her alone she's one of us God, like that. what have they said I don't know what these people have said um, but there was a time when I was first elected before I had sort of kicked off at Twitter where it was constant like thousands of messages every hour just that you're going to be killed stuff about my kids being hung, um, stuff about me being raped in all different ways or how I was not suitable for a raping, which apparently is better. Um, That's a low bar as well. Um, So, yeah, I get an awful lot of that. But the worst stuff, actually, that you get, the the most dangerous stuff is the stuff that is just like, it's, it's the shut up stuff it's trying to silence you all the time so that when you go to say something you think twice about it and that is dangerous yeah yeah well it, it's it's a it's a sort of weird place we found ourselves in the world where you know i mean things have become very polarized mm. i think it's quite interesting about you um 
in terms of that debate, the Brexit debate, is that you were you wanted to remain, but you voted with your what your the people of your constituency want to yeah. go with uh, in the Article Fifty vote, yeah, yeah, and that's because I know how I'd feel if the if it had been fifty two forty eight the other way, and the Leave had taken over Parliament and just voted to leave. I'd have raised a fucking army. Yeah. And I, that would be a massive assault on my democ- on democracy. And so I have to respect that I lost the vote. Um, however, I won't vote for anything that sort of takes us out of the single market or out of the customs union at the moment, no. Yeah. I wouldn't vote well, for I mean, that, the, no. like, even the vote, though they voted to leave. The vote isn't really clear about what it, you know... It, but it's nuanced, was it? Well, if anything... Who I'm, knew what a customs union was before? <laughs> so Honestly, be honest. <laughs> no one. So we haven't had... Is, it, is the vote valid if we didn't, weren't given the proper information beforehand? And if people are claiming it's a vote for the hardest Brexit, if it's 52-48, it's the second softest Brexit we've voted for. <laughs> so we should, have, we should let the, the hard Brexit people have one thing... Which one thing? Well, they, they have to fight that they out for themselves, yeah. And they can have that one thing. Sovereignty is the thing they'd pick. Yeah, probably. That's the thing that they think that we don't have, sovereignty. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> let them have it. I don't even know what it is. It's a totally made-up concept. I mean, I'm going to get horrendously trolled when you put this out. Horrendously, like, oh, I'll tell you what it is. It's a, you know, we have a queen. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what... People are like, oh, we'll be able to make our own decisions. I think, what have I been doing for the past two years? I've been sitting in that room going round and round in circles through those voting lobbies. What was that for if we don't make our own decisions? I don't know. It's crackers. Is it going to work out? I mean, you know, A, I think think it means we're... It means that your job for the next two or two years, let's say, it it all gets wound up in the next year and a half, is just basically... The government is Brexit, Brexit, Brexit. For for four or five years, we're just going to have nothing but Brexit, so nothing else is getting done, which seems insane. Totally Um, insane. That's actually the biggest tragedy of uh, Brexit, is that it has removed the bandwidth for absolutely anything else. So no domestic legislation really goes through now. Budgets, basically, what the country can run on, that's it. Um, so all of the stuff that was progressing through the House just before she called the snap general election. So there was a brilliant piece of legislation that we had worked on around uh, stopping domestic violence perpetrators being able to cross-examine their victims in family courts, which seems obvious, uh, but isn't, and people are allowed to do it. Um, And that just falls off the statute book, and it won't come back for another three, four years. So in every court in the land... In every family court, there is a woman being terrorised by a man who assaulted her because of Brexit, because there is no way of getting that through. And that, to me, you know, all the stuff around homeless legislation, all the stuff that they talk a good game about mental health, it can't change. Nothing can change because we can't get it through the House of Commons because there is no time to do that. And that is absolutely crippling for a nation not be able to be able to move forward. So all the shit they were saying today about student tuition fees, where's it going to... How are we going to get it through? Yeah. So they're just... Everything is just hot air and talking now. It's depressing, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. But that could be your entire time in, in Parliament could be just oh, taken up. I'm going to lose my seat. <laughs> I mean, you see... It could be, it could be, I'm no, saying. that's true. I could lose my seat. Um, you did look a lot better the second time. 16,000 yeah. majority. I think, I mean, I feel all right yeah. on that. Um, but yeah, I suppose the Labour Party could get rid of me. <laughs> well, there's, there's that as well. So let's, well, let's sort out some uh, the big issues. Okay. Um, now we've Sorry, dealt with Brexit. Now we've sorted out Brexit. Did you tell Diane Abbott to fuck off or not? Yes, I did. Because she says you didn't tell her to fuck off. Who do I believe? The witnesses. <laughs> <laughs> One of whom was Jeremy Corbyn. Oh, really? Yeah. Maybe I'll take them to a court and make him testify. <laughs> maybe she was a Czechoslovakian spy. Maybe she just didn't hear you say fuck off. Maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe she didn't hear me. I mean, I can't, I can't account for what Diane Abbott can and can't hear. Is that the only conversation you've had with Diane Abbott? That's the only one. Yeah, yeah. I remember it. I mean, it's the only one. <laughs> so she said you were. She said you, you weren't the only feminist in the, in the Labour in Party. The Labour Party. Yeah. 
Which you... I don't think I stood up and said, as the only feminist in the Labour Party, while sat opposite Harriet Harman. That would have been rude, wouldn't it? Um, so, yeah. What she meant was, don't speak up. You're a new oik. Yeah. I mean, it's quite rude to tell someone to fuck off on the first, first, first day. <laughs> So don't be rude to me when I'm clearly upset already. <laughs> it wasn't the first day. No. It was Corbyn's first day. <laughs> so, yeah, well, it's, it's, it's interesting with that. So, I mean, I guess that's why people are going to like... The people who are going to like you are going to like you because of stuff like that, do you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I like it. an honest human reaction. Well, it is. And it's I mean... an honest human... You know, I think, well, again, having read your book a bit and, and read up about you... You've sort of come into politics because you want to help the people from where you live. Yeah. Which seems like a good <laughs> a good reason to do it. I think it. that's the reason most people yeah. do it, though, isn't it? I well, think. yeah, but I don't think we hear... I think the problem is we're so, in, you know, we're so used to hearing about the bad politicians, the corrupt politicians, mm. and the politicians who are doing stuff for themselves. Mm. And, you know, there's 650 of you at the moment. Yes, until that's it all correct. changes. Uh, and you know we hear about 20 or 30 people and you know tossers and a lot of them are tossers <laughs> yeah I mean you know because your you'll Boris Johnson will be I mean the, he's a tosser yeah I think we can agree I wish I could that. say tosser in Latin <laughs> <laughs> and you don't feel Boris Johnson's got into politics to help the people no. of Eaton or wherever it is yeah, <laughs> where does Boris Johnson come from there are many people in parliament who are from like unidentifier land yeah. like they don't come from anywhere they have that accent that doesn't identify with anywhere and then they'll say things like I'm from Inverness and you're like no you're not <laughs> you're not from Inverness um, so there's yeah I suppose they, most people though do get into politics not necessarily to help the people where they come from because if you come from a place where everybody's alright what are you going to be doing yeah. I don't know um, an extra Land Rover uh, but which would be good because they make those in my constituency if everybody could buy an extra Land Rover. Um, we don't drive them, we just, you know, stick them together. Um, but most people come in because they care about something. Yeah. There are exceptions, and Boris Johnson is definitely one of them, yeah. where it is just like you go through door A, door B, door C, and you end up the Prime Minister... And and those people, what galls me about them the most is they think they would have ended up there even if they'd been born on a council estate in Spark Hill in Birmingham and they definitely wouldn't have. <laughs> um, but, yeah, most people have a thing that they care about. There's quite a lot of forces people in there yeah. who really care about the forces, the people who care about doctors, who care about the NHS. There's There's... Most people go in with something. The vast majority of people are decent in there, actually, yeah. is the truth. Sure. And so what made you want to, you know, become an MP? What, you know, it seems like it, it happened... Yeah, like by an accident. Well, like quite quickly, <laughs> you were working in other areas and then, and then yeah. quickly became... Because you sort of think like an MP, you'd have been through local government and, I mean, I know you've been working on yeah. other yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was a local councillor, yeah. though, um, oh, yeah. but only for three years before I became an MP and that was just a favour because they needed a woman. Right. Um, <laughs> so I was like, well, I'll, I'm a woman. Um, I mean, there's half a million of them in Birmingham. I don't know why they couldn't find another one. Um, but... Yeah, I just, I mean, partially, it's like a, ch- I like, I like a test. Yeah. I'm quite competitive, and I, I had a bet with a woman called Wendy who I worked with, um, <laughs> about who could become an MP the quickest. Yeah. And Wendy put in absolutely zero effort. <laughs> zero. She's still very happy working yeah. at Women's Aid, I think, Wendy. Shout out to Wendy. Um, but I just... I got so sick of seeing the wrong decisions being made where I worked. And I worked a lot with the Home Office, I worked a lot with the Ministry of Justice while working at Women's Aid. And you just, you're banging your fists against the table and you just think, well, I've got to bang them on the other side of the table to get people to listen to me. And I thought the Labour Party would win in 2015. Ed Miliband should have been funnier up front. <laughs> um, but so, and I thought that I wouldn't just be an opposition MP banging my fists still just at a slightly bigger, grander table, um, I thought that I would have the chance to change things for the thing that I really cared about. Um, so, yeah, I set about becoming an MP. I just one day decided yeah. I'm going to become an MP. OK. I've decided I'm going to become an MP. 
takes quite a lot of effort. Yeah. <laughs> Boris Johnson can die. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Money or effort. You okay. need one or the other. Uh, I could crowdfund it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you think with... I wonder with Brexit, like, whether we can... If we can do it and turn it around by turning... It, it just sort of feels to me like, you know, that in ten years' time, a lot of the people who voted for Brexit might not be here anymore. And, uh, Something like 100,000 yeah. of them already aren't. Yeah. And, uh, or might have changed their minds. Yeah. And it feels like young... Uh, Are young... you not threatening to kill everybody who voted for <laughs> And it feels like young people uh, are, you know, are getting more politically engaged, although then some of the statistics say that that wasn't really the case with Gordon. No, Gordon. yeah. But it feels, you know, it feels like young people should become politically engaged. So what's happened in um, um, Florida, mm. uh, the week we're recording this, uh, is you know, those, those school kids saying we're not going to stand for this anymore and whether that leads anywhere or not is another question. But at least they're trying to do it. And it's because it's, the world's run by all these middle-aged to old men mm-hmm. uh, who only care about themselves. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot more of everybody else and there's a lot more young people. And you know, young people now can't afford to... I know, even do buy a, do anything in London. I could, I could cobble together and buy a flat in the nineteen nineties, which no, someone would never be able. Somebody to do that like there. me could never do. I couldn't do it now. You know, it, even now I'm making a slight living, and it's so it's you know it, things have got to change. I, I wonder whether we can kind of overturn Brexit by going ahead with Brexit and then turning Britain into a nice liberal society like Norway that is just outside of Europe. I mean, I... There's a bloke in Parliament called Bill Cash, and he has been there for approximately 100 years. Um, And he wears his trousers very high. Um, And he has been there definitely since the previous referendum. Right. And he's my touchstone, Bill Cash, because he has stood up in every debate (laughs) ever for the past 46 years and complained about (laughs) the European Union. So I'm just going to stand for 46 <laughs> years every day and say, I think we should go back into that European <laughs> Union in the hope that you, we might have to wait a while. Yeah. But we shouldn't assume that this is the absolute end of Britain becoming totally isolationist. And, and, and maybe we can, maybe we stay in the customs union, we stay in the single market and we become Norway. Now, Norway has a lot of money in natural resources i think each person in norway has about eight million pounds per head in the government coffers that is not the case in the united kingdom so drill for oil and hope for the best is what i'm (laughs) going to suggest and i will do a bill cash for the next 46 years i mean the the thing about ukip that is admirable Is that bloke managed to shag that girl? Is, is <laughs> no! Mate, 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 that is, come on. She's a bit racist, but still. No, the thing that I is... I cannot believe it. <laughs> he was totally punchy. I mean, the, um... unbelievable. She's a hottie, a racist hottie. <laughs> She's really... We know, when, he, when he got voted out, she tweeted, oh, bad, bad luck, uh, Mr. <laughs> Ramsey Bolton, whatever his name is. Uh, I... Looks like, looks like, looks like I won't be fucking you anymore. Is what she said. And then everyone went, whoa. And she went, oh, I'm joking, obviously. Said, Do you not realise your jokes <laughs> are what caused this in the first place? Shut up. Um, they, had, they, they believed in something and they stuck with it for a long time. Yeah. And they never, re- I mean, they got European MP, MP, MEPs, but they didn't get uh, well, one. Did they ever get anyone voted? They got like, they, they, had got, one they didn't in, get anyone voted no, in. They, they got had one, one who walked the floor. Yeah, went yeah. over. And a load in the Tory party who were essentially them. Mm. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, they've managed to get what, exactly what they wanted to happen, at least uh, that's what should be happening. So that's, that's an incredible thing that 20, they're sort of 25% of the electorate have managed to completely dictate where the country goes and what we're doing. Yeah. And that means that another group of 25% of people, which is, you know, is again... A, you, but you have to be willing to lie and use fear. Yeah. You that is the only way that you UKIP did it through persistence. I mean, I will give them credit for persistence. Yeah. Do you remember when it was Kilroy? <laughs> was it something else? He was from Birmingham. Bless yeah. him. Um, he was maybe he was like Dignitas or something else. Very tough. But they kept on it, and there's something to be said about that. But 
the thing is about the left or the the liberal elite is that we are less willing to use dirty tactics. Mm-hmm. We are less willing to lie our way to a result. Um, and we are less willing to use fear um, and to exploit weakness in order to achieve what we want to achieve. Now, what we should have been doing is, while UKIP were looking like lunatics run by lunatics, um, we should have been talking up the European Union. We should have been making much more about what was good about it. We didn't do that until the very end. We allowed politicians for decades to blame everything on it. And we didn't, we didn't say, oh, actually, that was Britain who made that decision. Like anyone who complains about health and safety legislation from the European Union and says, oh, you know, it's, we've got to have all these standards, has obviously never been to Spain. <laughs> because they have plug sockets in the shower. <laughs> that was obviously a British standard yeah. that we were living by. And we didn't say that enough. We didn't say, yes, the European Union made this decision, but because Britain made it. And that is the problem. But we're not willing to... I'm not willing. I don't care what it takes. You know, if, if staying in the European Union meant that I had to be racist and sexist and vile and lie to people, I'd rather leave. And they're willing to do that. They were willing to pick on immigrants. They were willing to distort figures. And the Liberals are never going to be... Not the Liberal Democrats. They are definitely willing to lie. Have you ever seen one of their bar charts? Unfucking believable <laughs> Um, like, you know, they, in my seat, they, they called it a two-horse race and then came third. <laughs> um, which I loved. Um, but, you know, we're not, we're, we're, not, we're not dirty like that, and they were dirty, and yeah. I'm not willing to do that. But, so. yeah, if you're uh, Remain, you can't really lose from Brexit, because either the, the Brexit people turn out to be correct... And everything's brilliant, so that's okay. Mm-hmm. Or they're incorrect, and everything. You were right. Well, you're right, and then we have to go back, and we have to go back <laughs> in yeah. with you know. Oh, that's a positive thought. Yeah. I feel better now. Or just nobody is satisfied, and it's just a bit rubbish. It's well, but just know, in a different way, and we carry on. The people who make the Land Rovers where I live will be hideously <laughs> impoverished, and you know that will be awful. <laughs> I think the, the perfect Brexit is just nobody in the country is satisfied with whatever happens. And I think that's likely to be what it yeah. is. But that's the most British thing. It's yeah, just we'll be so happy. Nobody gets what they actually want. <laughs> I, that, I think that's, that is Yeah, perfect. and that's, that's sort of what's going to happen. Yeah, that is what's going to happen. That'll be good. We'll see how it goes. You're the liberal guy in, your, in Yardley. <laughs> he seems to be quite an interesting character. So it's uh, called Hemming. I've, I've got his first name written down. John. John Hemming. Very glamorous. Yeah. His... Had, well, he's, he, he's a self-confessed love rat. Yep. And his ex-wife kidnapped his girlfriend's cat. That's correct. His ex-wife kidnapped his girlfriend's cat. I reckon, Beauty, I, could, I, reckon I could beat this guy. Well, 16,000 words. What? Had what? But what I really like is when you're door knocking, people have conflated two cat-related stories <laughs> and believe that he put a cat in a bin. <laughs> <laughs> now, as I just previously said, I don't lie. Yeah. Don't play dirty. <laughs> I do point out that he was not cat bin lady. He was from Coventry, I think, so I can see the confusion. Um, but people are like, oh, he put that cat in the bin. <laughs> and I'm like, that. no. His ex-wife, who was his current wife at the time, she stole the, the kitten of... Uh, there's a brilliant CCTV footage. G- g- definitely Google it. What happened to the... Is the cat OK? No, the, the cat was never found. It may have been in a bin, but I cannot speculate. <laughs> I don't think terrible. he put it in a bin. He likes to, like, you know, come at me with lawyers. So I'm not going <laughs> to say that he put it in a bin. He didn't no. put it... He, You've made it very clear he didn't put it in a he bin. He did not put it in a bin. He killed it and buried it in the garden. <laughs> so, um, you made that very clear. Made that very he, clear. to be fair, was the victim of the crime in, in <laughs> many was, ways. was, but... Was he to blame? Well, <laughs> yeah, well, I, I mean, he was be, a horrible... Get, I'm not going to get into victim blaming here. <laughs> but he was a philanderer. <laughs> yeah. So... You know, there's a brilliant Victoria Corrin piece written about how he, he basically is to blame because he drove her to cat theft. <laughs> I can't speculate. No. People's personal lives are their own personal. 
Let's talk about uh, International Men's Day mm-hmm. because we both have a marvelous session. We do. Session you with do this. a brilliant <laughs> thing. It's like a really great service that you yeah, do. Yeah, well, it's kind of, we'll see. I think I, it's. I think I might have made this. This is happening. It happened last week as this goes out, so we'll see how it went. Uh, but uh, oh yeah, of course. Yeah, so it's going out in a few weeks. But um, I might make it the last one. Oh no! It's a genuinely good service. It's true. I, I hoped it might. <laughs> I hoped it might be over. It's sort of you, it's the same thing as you had with it. So that you had a guy in uh, the Conservative guy arguing that International Men's Day should be as have a debate in yeah. Parliament as International Women's Day does. Yes, which you were slightly dismissive of. Well, I was like. mainly dismissive of the fact that he actually said to me on a committee where I was the only woman out of nine men. Men just don't have enough opportunity to speak up in Parliament. <laughs> so. I laughed at that. Um, and I said that I felt like to me in Parliament every day was International Men's Day. Yeah. Um, but of course, I think that we should talk about things like male suicide and prostate cancer and testicular cancer. The thing is, is that's what men's activists aren't interested in talking about any of those things. They're just interested in slagging off women. Yeah. It's like if at Women's Aid, we didn't like open refuges. We just sat around and just went, mm, they're buggers, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> what can we take off them? Well, the truth is, as well, if you're in, and that's what you get, you know, that's what I get a lot now. Yeah. It's, do you not care about male suicide? I go, yeah, I do care about male suicide. I've done lots of gigs for uh, Calm and, you know, it's, uh, it's an important subject. But if you conflate it into this thing, which is men complaining about there being International Women's Day, you're actually devaluing all of those very good points. Absolutely. And a day for equality is a day for everyone anyway. Yeah. So, so if, if you're having a day where everyone's equal, that includes the guys. So that includes... Yeah, just some, get on board. Some things coming down, a few things going up, but, you know, it's, it, it, gets, it gets equal. So it, it, it's sort of interesting that people... Well, you know, that nobody on an International Men's Day is going, hooray, here it is, let's, let's go for it, which is sort of what I'm, what yeah. I'm interested in seeing. Whether, why are all these people asking about it on one day and then doing nothing about it when it turns I know, up? I'm like, Even when you've told the fuck them. Off. I think this year I might just try it. There must be some way on Twitter I can mar- mark them all down and say, what are we doing tomorrow on, uh, on November the 18th? <laughs> just put them because, in a group. There's yeah, a way of putting people in a group. There must yeah. be some way of doing it. Yeah, there is. I will get on Twitter for you <laughs> okay. for that. So, uh, but uh, yeah, it's. it's it devalues men much more than it does. Than that particular thing than women. It's, it's, I feel bad about it because I don't like to do it on. I feel like it's good that I'm corralling that bit of the internet. Yes. But it, I don't like the idea that it's a man making no, international swimming. I like about. it. I like it. I feel like you're doing us a solid so we don't have to say, well, actually, it's on this day. Yeah. Um, so I feel like it's helpful. Okay. And I'm always after men sticking up for us as well. Oh, right, but I let's... can't stick up for myself, obviously. I exactly. <laughs> but you know, but it is, but it, the feminism. What is people have a problem with the, the word feminism having feminine? I guess, but it's insanely because obviously, well, as you say, it's not having a white history month or you know, yeah. having saying, well, you've done all this stuff about slaves, but when are we going to ha- hear about the slave owners and have a day? For them? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, HIV awareness day. I haven't got AIDS. When will there be a day for me? <laughs> And it's the same, you know, it, it is, is the same exactly thing. the same. And it often happens when you talk about women's aid. People are like, oh, well, where's men's aid? I'm like that. Well, tell you what, get a squat, put a mattress on the floor, have jumble sales for the entirety of the 80s, which was how we funded the women's movement, and then maybe we'll take you seriously. Set up your own refuge. Get on with it, mate. Yeah. Don't just be moaning at me because I did something good. <laughs> and it, you wouldn't ring up. What I always say to people is, oh, well, it's not fair that a man can't stay in this refuge. It's like ringing up the Cats Protection League and saying, I've got this dog. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, I suggest you open a dog shelter. <laughs> Go and sort yourselves out. Yeah. You've got shitloads of capital. Use it. Not you, sorry, I'm yeah. not shouting at you. No, it's OK. I, I feel partly culpable <laughs> for having a penis. <laughs> Um, yeah, I am. I <laughs> I've done so much bad stuff. I've got to atone for it somewhere. One, one day a year. So, uh, it's <laughs> J.K. Rowling is a fan. Yeah. Has she read the book, or is that what Jess? That's, just, that's just something she just said about me. Anyway, yeah. just completely unprompted. I wow. didn't even know the woman at this point. <laughs> I felt so delighted, uh, and then I met her, and she was really normal. 
Yeah. Like, I really expected her not to be really normal because Did she's Did you think like, she'd be magic? Well, just... <laughs> <laughs> like the magic of money. Because <laughs> she's very rich, isn't she? Is. she? And she had, like, a crack phone screen. I was like... You could get that fixed. <laughs> but she was so lovely. She was really lovely and normal. Um, but, yeah, she's, uh, she likes me. Yeah, well, that's good. That's nice, isn't it? It is nice. But, it, but the, So the Labour Party's in this weird position now where it's sort of... And you were talking about whether you'd be deselected or whether you'd be selected. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you think there's a genuine no, worry? No, no, no. I don't live in London or Liverpool, which seems to be the, where the main sort of activism of deselection is going on. I mean, you're popular amongst your... Amongst oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. But it's... It's it's an odd thing. Is, is there not, you know? It, it feels like a, a rainbow alliance of broadly left wing yeah. parties, and even you know, if the Labour Party itself can't be united Getting in on. itself, yeah. then the idea of it's a massive tragedy that the Labour Party can't get on, and 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 both sides are to blame um, for that. I take some of the blame myself, um, but it's a massive shame and a massive distraction, and ultimately it will lose us the election. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, you know, it's nothing to be happy about, is it? There's no, there's no fun in Although in you did a lot health. better than you were anticipating oh, the yeah. last one. I mean, but she was the shocker, wasn't she? <laughs> <gasps> Honestly, I started to feel sorry for her. Like, I wanted to ring up her team and be like, just don't say that. When she didn't turn up to the event and she sent Amber Rudd, she just looked like a coward. Yeah. And you don't want a coward running your country, especially as like, terrorist incidents going on at the time yeah uh, yeah she was just but the best thing about the British democratic system was that when she looked so forlorn she had to stand next to a man with a bucket on his head <laughs> <laughs> oh god it was so surreal um, but yeah it was much better much better and, 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 and some of that is to Corbyn's credit he was much more well, he was much better than her wasn't he that's the top and bottom of it yeah well I think but there was an element where it was just the, I suppose it's both those. It's the arrogance of going, we're doing this because we want a bigger majority, so we can just do what we want, which people aren't. It's not a it's not great very British, starting place. Yeah, it's not <laughs> a very British thing to do. And then it? running away and not being involved. I mean, and I think if, you know, if, if the election had been after the Grenfell fire... I think they would have lost. No, I think had the election been five weeks before, because we had a mayoral election in the West Midlands, which the Tories easily won in yeah. a very Labour area, um, had the election been five weeks earlier, she would have got more of a majority. Yeah. She would have got more than the 12 that she had when she left. Um, and had it been five weeks later, the Labour Party would have won. Yeah. No two ways about it. But I think we are out of landslide territory now. The country has changed, where big parliamentary majorities... Are, are gone now we're going to live in coalitions and small majorities for a good few years yeah because i think people in the sort of we've had enough you're all the same and people have polarized into tory or labor back to the way it used to be um i think that it's it's much harder to sort of get a sway one way or the other so i think that people have just had enough and they don't want anyone to have that much power. Yeah. The British people are pretty on it in an election. And I could feel throughout the election campaign, because we spoke to 21,000 people in my constituency in six weeks, you could feel the change. And the day before the election, I said, I think that she'll go back with the exact majority she had when she left. And obviously she didn't even get that. <laughs> but it felt like everybody was just going... This has been a waste of time. Yeah, yeah. We're just going to give her a bit of a bloody nose, but nothing too serious. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm not surprised what happened, really. Although it's that, Matt, that people trying to make a mass decision. It feels to me that Brexit was a bit like that as well. People going, oh, let's... I'll vote leave because I think that will, if it's 52, 48, that'll make them feel a certain way. Well, even Boris Johnson and Michael Gove were kind of banking on being 52, 48 in the other direction so they could become leaders of the Conservative Party. I know, that's a shame. (laughs) (laughs) I think they still might do it. I don't know. Who do you think is going to take over from Theresa May? Well, all the stars point to Boris again this week, but we'll see what happens next week. I don't know. I think You were quite complimentary about Rhys Mogg a few months ago. Well, I wouldn't want him to be the... The leader of the 
Conservative <laughs> Party. I, w- I walked up to him on one occasion to have a chat with him and basically told him I'd burn the building down if he became the leader. <laughs> um, you know, I value the decision-making over one's womb. Um, the... I think that the next one will likely... It does seem like it's going to be Boris at the moment. But I think it will be somebody we don't think of yet, that we're not aware of. I think maybe Sajid Javid or somebody who's not really saying anything or doing anything controversial at the moment. And do you think it's a problem that the Tories have had two female prime ministers and leaders and that Labour's never even had a female... I mean, I mean again, you were obviously very annoyed about the... the divvying up of the, mm. the Chadwick cabinet seats. Yeah, I'm really annoyed about it. Obviously, um, I think it's felt a like a point shame. where There felt like a point where it was going to be female leaders in every party for it seemed Except for, a while. for the Labour Party. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and even now in Scotland where all the women, they are all women, yeah. apart from Labour, which is now man. Um, yeah, it's a, te- it's a terrible shame and something has to be done about it. And the only way that something will be done about it is if we change the rules to make it be a woman or if some of the men decide that they're not going to push themselves forward. Yeah. That's the top and bottom of that problem. Sure. Because equality in the Labour Party, men like to talk a good game, but they don't realise that equality isn't just about pushing someone forward, it's also about pushing some people back. Yes. Take a step backwards. Yeah. They say, oh, yeah, I really think we should have a woman leader. Oh, you mean me? You mean me? You mean I shouldn't stand? But I'm meant for this. <laughs> but it is, I suppose, if you're a politician and you're a career politician, that's, that's the thing you're ultimately aiming for. And a lot of people have obviously fallen by the wayside. I mean, in my, when, I was, my, when I was a kid, Michael Heseltine was famously going to be the one who was oh, yeah. heading that way, and then it all went wrong for him, and now he seems... Happy. Almost the most reasonable Tory in the country. I know, it's funny how things have turned out, isn't it? <laughs> now you think, you know, maybe Michael Heseltine wouldn't have been so bad. Um, I think he would have been. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't he strangle a dog to death? Uh, I believe he did do something along those lines. <laughs> Put it in a bin. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he's had a, you know... I think not... it was for humane reasons yeah. to strangle a dog to death. I want to have your, uh, your husband on the show because he's uh, a lift engineer. I'm quite yeah. obsessed with... He well, wouldn't talk to me about it backstage. He I wouldn't talk to, to you about it. He just wouldn't talk to you about it on film. He's I, like wanted a, on, I want to talk he's, about he's it He's like a film. shy character. <laughs> but he has... He, he is like... I am like this with like courtroom drama, somebody who spent time in courts and things with, uh, during rape trials and things like that. Whenever there's a court drama on TV, I'm like, that would never happen. That would never happen. <laughs> He's like that with any lift-based drama. <laughs> so, and you laugh, but there's much more lift-based drama than you think. <laughs> so Die Hard is a good example. Yeah. Um, no, don't, don't ruin Die Hard. <laughs> it is his favourite film, but yeah. it wouldn't happen. Um, and Speed, there's a whole lift thing in that that he okay. categorically says could never happen. Yeah. Um, but uh, he, I said to him, so what could happen? Tell me a time. And he said, you know, in like the original Tobey Maguire Spider-Man, he, he's going to like fight at the ring when he's first starting to be Spider-Man and he gets in a lift and goes up a floor. He's like, that could happen. <laughs> So, every time now you see any lift-based drama, men surfing on the tops of lifts, people pulling them up, cutting the wires, couldn't happen. So, just, just you can think of him in have all those times. Have you ever been trapped in a lift? I have never been trapped in a lift, well, but Sophie, who works for me, she got trapped in a lift the other day, yeah. um, and she just said it got very, very hot very, very quickly, and she was with a Tory MP, right. and... Not obviously not one of the ones we all talk about not getting in lifts with. Because <laughs> um, they have their separate <laughs> lifts. <laughs> women aren't allowed in. Certainly black people aren't allowed in. <laughs> there are actually lifts in Parliament that some people aren't allowed I in. Know, you know? There, was, yeah. there was an MP who... Yeah, Dawn in. Butler, yeah. yeah, who was yeah, told to get out of the lift. Um, but... Um, I've never been stuck in a lift, no. but he has got some absolutely cracking lift, stuck, stuck in lift-based yeah. stories. He sounds good. I should have got him on. You should have got him on. Wouldn't have been all this depressing stuff. <laughs> people, I bet people have had sex in lifts, haven't they? They've been trapped in there, haven't they? Yeah. Yeah, he's not going to join he's in. Not, he's not going to join in. Me. He is in the audience, if you can spot him. <laughs> you can ask him lift-based questions. 
So you, you've got two teenage kids. Are they both teenagers? Or no, no, one of them is about to be 13. Yeah, okay. He's 13 in May and one is nine. Oh, OK, OK. But you've had, you had kids quite... You're still a very young woman. Oh, thanks. You had kids quite young, because I had I'm kids... I'm officially a millennial. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm right on the cusp. Yeah. I had kids very late in my life. Are you glad you had... I mean, because that's, that's... I'm really glad I had them sooner, and I come from the generation where we all had to play with those dolls that cried to stop us having babies when we were 16. <laughs> um, and I actually think we should encourage people to have babies when they're younger, because I, I think that... Like, I'm getting my life back now, and I watch yeah. all my friends run around parties and shit, and they're, like, having to run around after their toddlers, and I just am like, Harry, get me a beer. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm definitely not getting my life back. I have a, I'm 50 years old, and I have a four-month-old son. Oh, my life is over. That is... I have no life. That is terrible. Yeah, there's no... But I lived quite a life... I lived quite a life up to... Until I met my wife, and then ruined, she ruined everything. <laughs> When, making me happy. When I'm 50, yeah. Harry will be 28. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'll have to be a grandma by the time I'm 50. <laughs> I hope. Uh, that would be excellent. Um, but, no, yeah, and no, I think it's good to have your children young because... But you, you, got, you, you, you became pregnant very early in the relationship with yes. you. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I think Tom is loving this in the audience. Um, <laughs> Were yeah. you in a lift together? <laughs> is he showing you how a lift worked? It's all up and down. Um... <laughs> Uh, yeah, very early on in our relationship, but we'd known each other for a very long time I before. See. Like we were mates. Like, although he questioned that just this morning, because <laughs> my kids like to ask questions. Like, oh, yeah. you know, did you and Dad do this? Did you, were you friends then? And I always say we've been friends since we were about twelve. And he was just like, I mean, acquaintances. <laughs> we drank in the same pub. Like. We didn't really, we weren't really friends, were we? I, was like, I thought we were like dear friends. <laughs> um, so, but we, yeah, we, we sort of kicked around okay. together for many years before. Okay. So it wasn't like a shock, but the first time I met his mum, I was pregnant. Yeah, already. it's pretty cool. I mean, it's sort of cool. It's sort of, I mean, it's, it's very cool that it's worked, you know. If like a, that, oh, that's, yeah, it's that's, really worked, yeah. yeah. Although, once again, yeah. I feel like I'm just giving him out to just get him <laughs> up here. Um... We were talking to the people in the bar before we came out when you were with uh, Trevor and Simon. What, last week? Sorry, last week. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. And they were deciding whether they wanted, like, the power of hindsight, him and the barman, and he said, like, imagine if you found out immediately after a decision you'd made that it was the wrong one. What yeah. if you, like, married somebody and then the next day you found out she wasn't the right one? And he just said... We've just got to make it work. <laughs> to this young lad on the bar, he was just like, no, that's the time when, you know, you, you stick with your decision and you just make it work. You've like, got a pregnant, mate. <laughs> You're just going to stick, however bad it is, just but stick that, with um, it. Yeah, I think that's true. You've got to just stick with it, make it well, work. But I, think, but I sort of think that about love, you know. I, th- I think I was waiting, in some ways waiting for the one, in some ways not wanting to find the one. But actually, it's just when you decide this is the one I'm going to make it work with. You yes, know? that's definitely true. I made a decision. Because yeah. I like, we would like got together. <laughs> I feel like I'm not in an audience full of people. Um, we... Your kids were meant to be in the audience. So that's like, I wasn't going to bring it up for your kids. So. Um, that we got together and like, I just wasn't sure. And then I just decided, I thought, just go out with the person who's not a wanker to you. Yes. Yeah, I mean, well, like you, but as you, if you find if you read the book and it, you were you had some very bad experiences. Yeah, horrible boyfriends. Yeah. but you know, we're, we're trained sort of to like people who are basically massive assholes to us. And yeah. I just thought, well, he's really nice. I'll give this one a go. And then I was like, happy forever. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Not forever. <laughs> so far. So far. So far, so good. Although something like 40% of MPs end up getting divorced. Yeah. So, you never know. <laughs> You've got your pick of any of those Tory MPs. <laughs> oh, woo-hoo. There's a few hotties. Yeah. There are a few If you hotties. had to have sex with a Tory MP... <laughs> It's a, it's a really, really easy answer, but I'm not going to give it. <laughs> he, he's a married man, but he, he'll know. <laughs> There's not many. There's like three or four yeah. that are vaguely passable. 
How about Vince Cable? <laughs> I know Vin- he's not a Tory. Vince Cable is like my mate, one of my best friends. Yeah. Ruth, he's her uncle. And so, like, you know, I like danced with him at her wedding and he, he took all the chips. <laughs> and he doesn't eat his greens. Some facts about Vince Cable. <laughs> I was on a TV show with him the other week and I'm very, he's very impressive. Oh, he's nice, yeah. He's not going to get anywhere, is he? I mean, he's he hasn't it, got much time left, has he? He's made it to the top. He's, he's know, the leader not of his gonna, party. The liberals aren't well, going to But you think the liberals... Do you not think the liberals... I thought the liberals might have... Too much of a betrayal. Yeah. People can't forget. People where I live can't forget. So, no. Bedrooms, acts. Yeah. The end. <laughs> it was... But it was so obviously foolish. <laughs> That's why you watch politicians doing stuff and you go, why are you doing that? It's obviously going to blow up in your face. It's like everywhere Nick Clegg walked, yeah. it was like... Duh, but you knew, but you knew duh, he'd done really duh, duh, well in that election. <laughs> he'd done really well and he could have, you know, he made a different decision and people would have liked but him. But to be fair to them, what decision could they have made? Well, I think not gone with the Tories and, made, and gone I against know, I mean, them. I agree, I wouldn't have done that. I, I, you know, or just got, gone for another election, used it to go for another election. It just was so obviously going to destroy them. It's like the, the Brexit vote, Cameron deciding to do the Brexit vote, was just, where's the g- gain in this? Because... He, he thought might, he would win. I know, but... Because he's he never taken a risk that didn't pay off in his yeah. life because he's a rich boy. He doesn't know what risk-taking is. What's happened to him, eh? What's, where's he... <laughs> where's he these days? But do you see, though, see all the, um, the Prime Ministers made into the opposite sex that they did this week? Yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Loved he it. was about the second best-looking woman. Both the female Prime Ministers looked very... very... Uh, much like proper old men. men yeah. <laughs> uh, and who was it? It was Aunt, it was, was it, was it Aunt Eden who looked like a film star. <laughs> very, one of them was nice. <laughs> that's the, that's the, if he was a Tory, that's the Tory I would shag, but only if he was made into a woman and wasn't, <laughs> wasn't dead. <laughs> <laughs> ah, what, the, what the hell I'd do it anyway. <laughs> If I have to, if I had to do it, I would. Um, hey, we're, we're probably coming to the end of our time. It's been really uh, fascinating. Um, and is there anything you'd like to get off your chest and discuss? Not really. How, how, how are you getting on with Jeremy Corbyn these days? I don't really talk to him very often. Yeah. He's quite busy, you know. Yeah. I don't know, giving those to Czechoslovakia and <laughs> looking at man all covers. <laughs> Um, I don't really see him very often, but yeah. fine, we get on fine. You yeah. talk to his office more than you talk to him. Yeah. But he's fine. He's on the allotment a lot, and he's doing making well, jam. He, he, whenever you're around him, he always tries to give you his lunch. <laughs> like, it's, all, it's a tiny bit annoying, right. because it's often like potatoes with cheese on them, because <laughs> he's a vegetarian. But he tried to give my son a salad sandwich when he was first elected. We'd gone up to have a photo taken with him, so my son was writing something in the school newspaper. And he tried to give him a salad sandwich, and he was like, oh, have this sandwich, you must be hungry. And my kids were like, no. <laughs> um, and then on the doorstep recently with my son Danny, uh, this bloke was like, I'm not sure about that Corbyn. I don't think he's not one of us, is he? And Danny sort of tried to stick up for him and was like that. <laughs> He tried to give me a salad sandwich once, <laughs> and the bloke was like, "That's the final nail." <laughs> Shut the door. <laughs> if it had been sausage, that would have been a vote for one. <laughs> it's the worst thing an MP has ever done to a young boy. <laughs> um, thank you so much for coming in to talk. No worries, ladies and gentlemen. Just for this, future leader of the Labour Party, future Prime Minister. Been listening to Rich Shanks' birthday podcast with me, Rich Shanks, and my guest, Jess Phillips, MP. The music is by Pest. Thank you to everyone that I always thank. You're all good. You know who you are. I don't need to mention your names. Oh, okay, then go on. Go past the Stripe team. They're good. Little Chris Evans, cheeky Chris Evans, not that one. Uh, all his little children he's got, they're growing up fast, my friends. Uh, thank you to Rich <laughs> Theatre. Thank you to everyone at the British Comedy Guide. Thank you to Ian Tunes and you and Tune for uh, hosting us on their websites. And thank you to my, I'm indebted to my producer, Ben Walker. And thank you to everyone at Fuzz Productions, GoFastTheStripe.com Productions and Stripe Potato Productions. This is a production for the internet. 
when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thanks again for listening to the podcast. RichardHerring.com slash ballback slash tour or RichardHerring.com slash gigs for all of the information on the tour. GoFasterStripe.com for lots of downloads and books and lots of fun. Thanks for listening. Go and listen to another one. Tell your friends about the show. Tell your friends about the tour. I love you all. I'm out. <laughs>